In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on how we can show up in a leaderless world. The focus scripture is from Mark 6.30. This conversation was recorded in February of 2024. Our mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. Today we are in Mark chapter six, and uh, there, there's a little section here that's just fascinating. It's full of some really interesting, interesting things. And as always, I'm I'm going to be reading from the Voice translation. And in verse thirty, we pick up the account that the the twelve returned from their travels. If you remember, Jesus had sent them out two by two. And they returned from their travels and they told him what they had done and what they had seen and how they had spread the news of God's kingdom. Uh, Really important phrase. Notice they were sent out and they were sent out to spread the news, the good news of God's kingdom. Really interesting piece we're going to come back to. And, And Jesus then upon their return and after the debrief said, well, let you know let's let's get away uh i think it's time for us to go on a retreat and let's get out into the wilderness and uh and let's take a break and let's get some rest and so they they were headed out and the crowds as always gathered around and jesus and the 12 couldn't even eat because there were so many people that came and went and the scripture says they could get no peace until they boarded a boat and they sailed a- across the lake to a desert, a deserted place. And the people would not be put off so easily. And those along the shore who recognized Jesus followed him, followed along on the coast. Well, they were they were going on, and people rushed out of all the cities and gathered ahead of him, so that when Jesus came ashore and saw this crowd of people waiting for him in a place that should have been relatively deserted, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We'll end the story right there. I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up, okay? Uh, the first thing that I want to say is, wow, Jesus was differentiated. Because when I want to go off on a retreat, and when I want to get away, and when I need a break, I need a break from people. And I don't want to show up at the retreat center or at the place that I'm going and have a crowd of people around who need me and need what I've got to offer. I mean, just just reading that story sucks the life out of me. And yet, Jesus had compassion on them. So I'm reminded to think about the possibility of getting beyond my selfishness and my own needs and and having compassion for people that are so needy. I mean, can you imagine? He can't even get get in a boat and sail across this huge lake 
that was miles apart without the crowd walking, finding and showing up. And there they are. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's like they went to two or three places and there's always this crowd. Uh, but the, the other thing that stands out here is Jesus had empathy and compassion for them. I think empathy and compassion are characteristics that we should all embrace. We all need empathy and we all need compassion. And what he was empathetic about was that they were like sheep without a shepherd. I believe, folks, that we, we live in a day, we were talking about politics a moment ago. I believe we're living in a period where there's a, a, all of us are like sheep with no shepherd. There, there's no one to lead us out of this dilemma. There's no one to lead us out of this mess. And, um, and, and I think that the re one of the reasons why I follow the way of Jesus is because I, I believe the way of Jesus is the way out of the mess. Uh, I believe Jesus came and showed us a way, and it was a way that leads to a better life, even in the here and now. And if more of us would align with the way, instead of aligning with all sorts of other things, uh, I think that our world would become a better place. So how then can we show up in a world that that is that feels like it's leaderless and maybe follow the leader and the way of Jesus enough that we make it attractive to other people to say wow yeah uh i need a leader and i need a way and maybe that's the way to go uh i hear all of that in this text uh, a second thing that i that i want to highlight is so Jesus sent the 12 out two by two into every town and village to spread the good news of the, of the kingdom. Okay. So let's, let's pause there for a moment. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to go to kingdom yet. I, I want to go to, so they were, they were sent on mission with God. Okay. We talk in faith walking about joining God on mission in the world. And when they got back, Jesus said, let's get away because we need some time. We need some peace and we need some time to rest. And it's this idea that I think there, there are two ditches on either side of the road as we follow the way of Jesus. On one side of the road is the ditch that it all depends on me and I've got, I, I, I've got to just keep working and keep giving and keep serving and keep doing. And we just keep doing, doing, doing until we completely drain ourselves of any emotional, physical well-being within ourselves. I think Jesus is modeling here for us that, okay, disciples, you, you went out and you spent yourself. And now we need to recharge the battery. Now we need to restore and replenish. And that there's a rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. And so one ditch is always working and never resting, never giving ourselves permission to rest. And I think, I think one of the things, I mean, so at its heart, that's more than likely about anxiety. Maybe it's about what we learned in our first formation about, oh my gosh, I've got, I've got, I'm here to serve others. Our own needs are important also. And I think Jesus was modeling that. 
and so he said to the disciples, okay, you, you've been engaged, and now it's time to withdraw. The other, the other ditch, though, is people who say, oh, my gosh, I love this withdrawal. And I love this time in silence and solitude. And I love this getting away. And it's just me and God. And so, you know what? Let's, let, I'm just going to give my life to just being with God. And that's all I'm going to do. I, I think what Jesus is modeling here is, is the both and. Yeah, rest, reflection, retreat, replenishment, all are important things. But there's also a time for engagement and action and going and joining God on mission and, and that we need both of those things. And we need to find a way to integrate both of those into our lives to be healthy and productive. That's what I think. So that's, that's, that's the second thing that stands out for me here in this story. And then the third thing uh, where I was uh, about to go a moment ago and backed out of is that, that the disciples were sent, the 12 were sent, and they spread the news of God's kingdom. So what, what was that news? What's the news of God's kingdom? As, as I look at that, and, and I don't intentionally mean to make anybody anxious, but I want to make you think, uh, they, they didn't get sent with the news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because that hadn't happened yet. That's not what they were sent with. They, they, were, they were not sent out, yeah, with, like in my heritage, the four spiritual laws or the Roman road plan of salvation or evangelism explosion. They were sent out with the good news of the kingdom. So what is that good news? Because here's what I believe. I believe we're sent with the same good news. And I think it is good news. So I want to just share with you a few thoughts I have uh, that I've learned along the way about, about the kingdom. Uh, we've talked about it over and over and over again. But I want to come back to Romans 14, 17. Paul writes about it and he says, the kingdom is not what you eat or drink, but is righteousness peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the most clear place in Scripture where the, where the kingdom is outlined for us. So the word righteousness is a word that we've talked about multiple times that, gets, that, that is also translated justice. The kingdom, so think about it this way. This is the way I like to think about it. The kingdom is about a path of right living that leads us to the fully alive life righteousness and in that path of right living we we know that one of the ways on that path is that we are loving and that we want justice for everybody for everybody to have enough and no one to be afraid and that's the kingdom so the kingdom is a place where nobody is left out, where everybody has enough, and where nobody needs to be afraid. Now, I, I don't think that means everybody has the same thing. It just means we all have, en have enough, and we, and we don't have to be afraid. So the kingdom of God is justice, righteousness, and it's also peace. 
And you all know, I talk about it all the time. The, Jesus was Hebrew. He thought in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. So the kingdom is shalom. And shalom means peace. And it also means completeness. And it also means wholeness. So the disciples went out. So imagine this, just these first two. So the disciples went out proclaiming there's a path that leads to the fully alive life. Get in alignment with that path and your life will be different and better. And, and along that way, that path is a way of justice for everybody, inclusion for everybody. And it's a path that's going to lead you to wholeness in your life. And that's why you ought to take the path. And when, and when you find the path and when you align with the path and when, when your, life is, and, and your life is filled with love and justice and, and wholeness, then there will be celebration and joy. And what's lacking so often in people's lives today is they don't have joy because they're following paths that don't lead to life. They think they do. That's why they're following them. But they aren't leading to life. And so the disciples were sent out to proclaim, hey, hey, there's a new path. Come get in alignment with the new path. And so there's three things I want to highlight here for you. You ready? Y'all still with me? The first thing is this. As followers of the way of Jesus, we represent the kingdom of God to others. Well, how do we do that? By being different. By following the way. Well, how are we different? I think there's two characteristics that, that, that we can sum up with. First of all, we love well. That's how we're different. People who represent the kingdom love others well. They love themselves well, by the way. But they love well. And they are increasingly becoming more whole within themselves. So loving well and becoming more whole are, I believe, ways that we represent the kingdom. So the disciples got sent out, and they got sent out to love people well and to model for them the wholeness of, of the path that Jesus invited them into. Second thing followers do, as followers of the way of Jesus, we serve the kingdom of God. Well, how do we serve? Well, we serve through every act of mercy and every act of justice and every moment of love. We serve the kingdom, as we like to call it in faith walking, as agents of wholeness within our own context. And so we represent the kingdom, but we also serve the kingdom. And then the third thing we do, and y'all can have these little notes on the kingdom. I do have notes on the kingdom stuff, Judith. So just send me an email and I'll, I'll send it to you. But the third thing we do as followers of the way of Jesus, we announce the kingdom. Well, what does that mean? Well, we, we speak good news. Again, what does that, that mean? Well, here, here's what I think it means. I think we speak good news by saying God is here and God is for everybody. And God 
has a path that leads to the fully alive life. God has a path that leads to wholeness, and God wants you to be whole if you'll align with that path. Well, Ken, why do you do what you do? Well, I do what I do because I, I want to align my life with, the, with, with that path of the kingdom, and I want to I help others align their life with the path of the kingdom because what I believe is that that's the way to wholeness, and that's the way to the fully alive life. And so we just announce it, uh, which is different than, oh, I'm door-to-door soul winning. No, it's announcing God is here, and God's for everybody, no matter where they're from. God's for them. I believe that deeply, and I believe that's what it is to, to announce the kingdom. And so the disciples were sent to do that, and I believe we're sent to represent the kingdom, serve the kingdom, and when the opportunities arise, announce the kingdom. But here's what I also believe. I believe that representing and serving come before announcing. And often what we want to do is announce long before we serve and represent. I think our service and our representation affords us the opportunity then to announce. We're, yeah, we're kingdom people. Well, that sounds weird. I know that's weird language, and I don't want to be too churchy or overly, overly, you know, use Christianese. But what I believe is Jesus invited apprentices into a way, and that way is the way that leads to life. And the more I can align my life with that way, the more life I'm going to have, and the more anybody's life, uh, they will have that life as well. Those are the things that stand out for me in this story. So what's that stir up for you? What questions do you have? What thoughts do you have? Most of you know, um, this is something that's been going on in my life this last week. And as most of you know, I've been dealing with depression and anxiety since 2019. So you've all walked with me in that. Um, and for a lot of that time, I just, I couldn't sit down and read a novel. I just didn't have the attention for it. I could read nonfiction if I had to, but no novels. Well, I decided I really needed, I mean, this is a good sign that I, I want to read for pleasure again. Um, and so I picked up something that I knew would be safe and happy. I picked up the Mitford series again from Dan Coran. And there was a scene in the, I'm in the first book. And there was a scene where Father Tim is talking to a shopkeeper who also happens to be a Sunday pastor. And Father Tim must have asked him something about his sermons. And the shopkeeper slash pastor said, if my life six days of the week doesn't preach God's love, my words on Sunday mean nothing. Mm. And so I started thinking about, well, what sermon does my life preach? Mm. And that's, um, I hear that, is my life proclaiming the kingdom? I hear, I hear yeah. what you've said in my, my mm. sentence of what, what sermon is my life preaching? And, yeah. you know, I preach on Sunday mornings. Um, but this, this is really important. I think this is my big question for 2024, to really evaluate yeah. what sermon is my life preaching. That's awesome, Judith. And that's a, such a great question. Uh, yeah, and my life is preaching a sermon. No matter who I am, 
where all of our lives are preaching a sermon. I was thinking when you were talking about the ditches, you know, there's this over extreme on one side of over-functioning basically. And then the other side of just becoming completely lackadaisical on every side. Um, and, and I can attest with part of that because of just going through recovery for the past four, you know, almost five months um, after surgeries. And the one thing I, I kept thinking through these past several months is because I'm so used to being such a leader in everything and taking care of things that it's like, I, I want somebody to lead. You know, I was kind of at a moment of, God, I just need somebody to take care, make, you know, think, mm -hmm. take the steps just to even think about what's next instead of me having to do it. And um, that was very, it's been challenging, but I, you know, I also thought, you know, especially lately, I, I was thinking, okay, so if we don't have great leaders or we don't have people, you know, whether it be in government or wherever job places, you don't have somebody to lead, then I believe that it's our responsibility to take up that, that lead, you know, and do it in, in the act of Jesus and do it in the best way um, that we possibly are, uh, I believe, provided with the skills to do. Right. Right. I, I agree, uh, Brenda. I, uh, so leadership is about influence and we all influence somebody. So am I influencing them toward alignment with the kingdom way? Or am I influencing them toward anxious reactivity? Uh, yeah. Nyren Garden, have you? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I thought you I saw probably you. have all heard this pretty common saying attributed to St. Francis, which is preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that quote. Absolutely. And I believe that's true. Our, our lives. So I can, I am a preacher. I can preach every Sunday, but, but if I'm not preaching something that draws people into life, mm -hmm. then I'm not preaching anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, why would people want to listen to what I have to say? Uh, and and so, yeah, so my life, I want to be a demonstration of what I think and what I believe and, and this way that leads to joy. Mm -hmm. So that that can be difficult in different relationships, too. So this week, one of the things that I realized was happening as I was listening to myself you know, JR doesn't want me to talk to him when he's at work about anything bad, right? He doesn't want to hear about everything that breaks in the house because everything breaks all the time. So I'm not supposed to call him at work unless it's just say something happy. So I have to hold it all until he gets home. And then he goes out a lot on the weekend. I never leave the house. So when he gets back, you know, he's there. And it's kind of like, I feel like one of those people on the beach. I'm kind of chasing after him, <laughs> trying to fill him in on whatever's happening um and unfortunately with our house it's usually not great stuff so trying to figure out how to bring more joy into that because i realized i you know i wouldn't want to come home to me <laughs> the way that i've been you know what just trying to deal with the house or not deal with the house or my health or um whatever issues lately so i i think that's an interesting challenge in 
different different relationships too yeah yeah gene i mean what what stirs for me so then the question is okay and so how can i how can i change what what needs to change in me Mm -hmm. in order for me to bring more joy into this house yeah yeah um and and all i can do is 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 the best i can do uh, you know, we've we've talked ar- around it, and we talked about the two ditches. Let me let me phrase it in uh, in just a little bit different language, and and Brenda kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, so there are two ditches: the ditch of overfunctioning and the ditch of underfunctioning, and they're both ditches. And and here's what happens, group: if we tend to be overfunctioners, then what happens when we when we're highly anxious, have issues, whatever, then we flop over to the other side and we want others to take care of us. We become underfunctioners. Or if we're underfunctioners, you know, and so I, I don't even know all I'm trying to communicate here, but the, the thought is here's the fully alive place when I'm neither an overfunctioner or an underfunctioner, but I'm fully functioning and I'm taking full responsibility for my life, but I'm not taking responsibility for others. So I'm not over-functioning out of my anxiety, but I'm also not under-functioning out of my anxiety. I call that fully functioning. I'm sorry, one thing. You know, it's so, I'm so visual. You just made me think of a bell curve. So yeah. where am I on my bell curve? <laughs> yeah, good, good. good. I, I had an epiphany when you said that. Brenda was about to walk the aisle, Jean. We've got to let her walk the aisle. Come on down, Brenda. What's on your mind, dear? Let me tell you something. When you... Okay. Uh, I'm trying to word this correctly. I have spent most of my life as an overfunctioner. And when you do that, you enable people to become lazy, mm-hmm. incapable of handling anything. Yeah. And whether it be your spouses or children or whatever, and then you just cause amount of drama that just lasts for years and years and years. Okay. I've done that. I'm having to clean up all those messes now (laughs) and retrain adults on how to handle their stuff. And let me tell you something, when they start functioning on their own, you don't understand the comprehension of freedom that they feel and joy Mm -hmm. because it's like, wow, I can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the relationship that, that just blows out beautifully (laughs) with joy you know as as you it's like this dance you know as we've learned in faith walking that dance starts changing at first it's very uncomfortable everybody hates you (laughs) why are you doing this to me but you know i've had to have people in my life for the past four months jump me and tell me come on you can you can walk again you can do the nobody knows what's going on in this house tragically and painfully since my surgeries and I'm telling, I say tragically because it, man, it, talk about hum- humiliating. I mean, just mm-hmm. having to depend on somebody to do physical things for you. Mm-hmm. And so, but I've had to have people come behind me and kick my behind and say, come on, get up. I'm not going to do this for you. You can do this. Yeah. You know, it's having to teach people. You have to, be, you can be an example all day long, but unless you give them the ability and the space the space to do and take care of as they need to. And Brenda, I would say, and in order to do that, I have to manage my own anxiety. Yes. Because my anxiety tells me I've got to overfunction. Yes. Or I've got to underfunction, either way. And, and be patient. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. Be patient with somebody who's learning how or retraining and learning how to do this. Is that I think that's a huge one there. Yeah. Good. Let's let John dive in here. He looks like he's got something on his mind. I'm struck by the fact that um, they weren't at this time. Jesus had not revealed himself as Messiah. Um, you know, but there's no real doctrinal revelation here. Mm -hmm. But I'm just thinking, you know, being in the crowd, um, here is someone who is different. Here is someone who thinks about me. Here is someone with compassion. Mm -hmm. Here is someone who is a people person. And um, I'm just trying to find the, the line up with the verse. It says that the disciples, they preached the changed life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's significant. Now, Which is the word repentance. Yes. That's the word there. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but and I'm conscious that often today in certainly in certain circles, um, there's I'm not saying let me preface this by saying I'm not saying that doctrine is unimportant mm -hmm. by any means. Mm -hmm. But often what can happen is that unless your doctrine lines up with mine or your mm -hmm. that sort of thing, unless there's that sort mm -hmm. of linear thing with with doctrine it's a it's a shibboleth and i don't want anything to do with you mm -hmm. now compare that this is my understanding of what i'm going to say here mm -hmm. um, hundreds of years ago uh, in this country in, in in scotland england and different places you had what was called the market cross and in the on the market cross you could say it was like a modern day, it was an ancient day planograph where Bible stories would be carved into the into the feature and people would memorize it they, because they were illiterate. They couldn't actually read and write. OK, that's the first point. The second point I understand was at their baptism, they were given a verse and they would memorize that verse. And what it is, is that the, the, the gospel, we could say, is incorporated and how you live is it is with can actually be within a single verse. So, for example, in everything that you see and do, honor the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they were they were showing their distinction from their previous life by how they lived, how they behaved. They were for. They were first called Christians, for example, in the scripture there at Antioch because they saw they were like Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking the, the, the challenge here is the question we perhaps we need to ask is, do people know I am a Christian because of my way of life? And the way I behave, or do they know because I'm, I tell them I am lined up with a particular uh, mm -hmm. set of doctrines? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that so it is significant, I think, that um, the whole character of Christ, they recognize that, we're, that they were with him. And we don't necessarily have to have, I mean, seminary is important, obviously, mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily have mm -hmm. to have seminary education to live like Jesus or line up with a particular individual. We live our life 
out of the example of Jesus. And I personally, I think this is where kingdom triumphs often what's going on in church. Mm -hmm. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 I believe it all. One thing that sort of resonates with me, um, and John, you kind of made me think about it more too, and it's something I've been thinking about in general, but I like in the story how Jesus sends out the disciples, I guess, two by two, you know, and I think that illustrates something really powerful that they went out and it wasn't like, I feel like my tendency, especially as a former nonprofit founder is to like create a system, create a process and like make it an efficient way of serving people's needs and put them into that so that we can help more people. Um, and I'm, and that might be great for a business or a nonprofit, but I feel like the church model needs to be different, you know, where it's more relational, where it's more focused one-on-one -on, -one on on individuals. And I feel like that's kind of what this story is also, you know, illustrating where it's not like, it's not like they were like, let's find the most efficient way that we can possibly reach as many right. people as possible. Right. It was like, let's do what we're humanly possible. Like, let's just acknowledge our human limits and uh -huh. go out two by two and just connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, and that, as a person now who's unemployed and has a lot of extra time like that to me and it's someone who isn't you know in, in need like I have I'm a single mom to two kids like I have a lot more needs now than maybe when I was younger um and that's I, I would rather be ministered in that way as somebody who's getting to know me than have someone be like hey you probably didn't have a lot of needs like here's this resource that you can sign up for and they'll deliver an impersonal meal once a week or you know whatever um that's just something I've been thinking about more and more is like, as a person who follows Jesus, how do I relate to other people? And is and my introvert inclination is to refer people to something that feels less personal. So I'm trying to get more comfortable with being more personal. Mm. Um, and also like allowing myself the freedom to connect with people that I have a shared interest with. You know, it's not just every every need that I see. Maybe they're obsessed with cats, you know, so we connect over cats. We, like I'm looking... To, to cultivate shared interest with people mm -hmm. that, that are not just like, oh, like we're both needy or you're needy or I can help you, you know? And I, I feel like that's yeah. helping me over-function less because it's it's more focused on connection, less on like anxiety, really. I don't know. Yeah. There's, that's like all over. Good. That's something I'm just kind of thinking about. But yeah. all of your comments gave me thank more to think more. about. Yeah, thank you. It's really good. Jerry, were you wanting to speak with an I, Yoshida? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. So uh, what resonated for me was what you were talking about, um, you, you know, that, that Sabbath rest and self-care, because okay. that's something that's really hard for me because it's like, uh, I, I just feel so driven all my life I have to prove myself if I'm not working and achieving and doing stuff for other people then uh, I have no value and worth to other people and I think yeah. that's been one of the big takeaways from faith walking is like yeah it's, it's really important to take time away it's like next week I signed up for this three-day silent retreat and I went last year and it it just nourished my soul so much mm -hmm. and like I'm really looking forward to going again next week and just shutting off all responsibilities and saying, okay, uh, you know, time for me, you know, time to, you know, get in touch with, with God and, 
you know, uh, direction for my life right now. So I, I just want to say that um, I, I think that is really important. But of course, it's only three days and it's time to come down from the mountaintop. And <laughs> but uh, just to give myself permission to do that, I, yeah. I think really important. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us, Jerry. Really good. Well, group, we're out of time, but thank you so much for being here, and thanks for all the conversation. It's good to see every one of you. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I hope you can. I hope you'll have me back. I'd like to come back. I hope oh. you do. It's so good to see you. Yeah. Oh, good to see you and your cat. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.